You're listening to The Actors Podcast, a podcast where I share what I've learned as an actor and as a producer. My name is Douglas Terrell, and I'll be sharing thoughts on the acting business, the art of acting, and a few other lessons that I've picked up from my experience as a professional actor. Then I hope the stuff that I share on this podcast will inspire you as an actor. So we start. We begin. We begin. So we're going to be talking about meditation, visualization, letting go, uh, overcoming being bitter in the business, <laughs> yes. uh, and enjoying the journey. So, which is great for me because I always I always share my opinions on the subjects, you know, and I have some specific ideas. So it's great to get another point of view on the same stuff. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Because it's just that thing of whenever I find myself in that moment with my career, especially with acting, because acting is about releasing into the moment and being present and telling stories from a place of openness so that whatever can come up through you can come up through you. And anytime I'm trying to control or make it look a certain way or make someone like me. Yeah, but it's it's, uh, probably, you know, good acting is always relaxed acting, but you're always... um, you're looking for self-gratification, which completely works against being relaxed. Right. It's, it's completely, it's driving your adrenaline up, it's making you self-conscious, and all of a sudden, you're not in the moment anymore. Exactly. So that's why, for me, meditation visualization became so important, because as an artist, as an actor, especially living in New York, I'm already so good at going and doing and getting those headshots and getting those mailers and really treating myself like the CEO of, the, of my business. Right. The thing that is missing for most of us is also that energy of that internal work, that internal self-care, which for me, meditation and visualization really gives me. So how specifically do you, how do you use visualization? So specifically, um, I like to use a tool called Bhavana. Yes, I've heard that before. You've heard this before. And Bhavana is a tool for, um, it basically means an attitude of remembering your future. And it's almost going under the um, assumption that, you know, because time is, is just this construct. So, so people who are not clear with Bhavana who are listening to this. So from what I remember, Jen said Bhavana is, is acting as, and you correct me if I'm wrong, acting as, uh, as if it's already happened. Right, right. right. And, and so it, Bhavana itself is actually a tool of writing it down as if it's already happened. So rather than me saying, I am going to speak to Doug later, then even this morning at, say, 9 a.m., the story is I'm going to speak to Doug later. At 9 a.m., I could say, I spoke to Doug today. It went so great. I had a great time. The conversation was easy, et cetera, et cetera. So it's almost like we are really so good at what we don't want. Do you keep a daily journal? I do. Mm-hmm. We are so good at allowing our mind to prepare for potential disasters. We are so good at saying, in case this bad thing happens, I'm going to prepare myself for it now. And it's almost like we're willing to face disappointment twice in order to soften the blow the second time, which is just a crazy thing. So what a bhavana allows you to do is it allows you to actually say, my mind's already really good at thinking about what I don't want. How can I actually hold the space for expecting the best possible thing to happen and living like that's also a possibility? Yeah, I was um, introduced to that concept but it wasn't called Bob and I worked with Charles Polk when he's a really good uh, uh, strength coach he's kind of like a sensei yeah. he's in judo and everything and yeah. one of the things he would always share with us he said he, he believed in a daily journals I'm actually not good at daily journals but he got me to start thinking about how to 
he didn't believe in praying, so to say, but he said at night you should give thanks as it's, as it's, as if it's already happened. Right. And you know, and I started applying that probably three, four years ago, and it really it kind of changed my life because yeah. I would when I created my solo show, I was having really trouble having a director, and I found for a whole year I just kept going to bed saying I'm so grateful that I found my director. Yes. And long story short, I found a really good director, but uh, yeah, so that was my first introduction to that. I think it's quite powerful. It's almost like you send energies out. They yes, and, and you create a space where, it, like most of us, look at the outside world and say, oh, oh, "There's something missing inside that I'm going to use the outside world to validate or correct." Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't necessarily trust my talent, so I need a casting director to say that scene was really great. Right. So it's like we're always there's something that feels unhealed or untapped into inside that we're looking for the outside world to fix or correct. And it's that same thing of like, I'll be happier when I have more money. I'll feel better when I book this job. Right. But what happens is you get more money or you book the job and then you just want the next one. It actually right. didn't fill that void. It only filled it for a second and then you want more and then Do you, you want more. Do you like wake up every morning and think of something specifically or is it on a general wholeness that you're trying mm-hmm. to connect to? You know, like what, I want to drill down more right. into what, what that visualization is every single day for Natalie. So every person is different and every person's practice ends up being a little bit different and it's sort of like honing it and refining it to what works for you. Yeah. But the general rule of thumb for creating a bhavana for yourself that's the most successful is that you want to be positive, you want to be concrete, and you want to be specific. Positive is actually interesting because most people think they're being positive and they're not. So maybe someone is doing a bhavana for their workout, let's say. They're, they're going to say, I'm going to visualize, I have this workout to do later today. I'm going to visualize, yeah, like, how, physical right, yeah. like uh, going to the gym. Yeah. I'm going to visualize how great it goes. So then that person might proceed to say, you know, I was really tired when I got up, but I went and I like forced myself to get on that treadmill, but it went really, really well. And then I felt good about myself and I was really feeling myself like sweating. And then, you know, like I was like a little bit out of breath, but I overcame it and it was great. It's like, it's not actually positive. You're actually saying you created all these obstacles and then overcame them. What would actually be positive is I woke up, I had so much energy out of nowhere. It's like I never felt better. I went to the gym. Everyone was super nice to me. I got a free towel. I got a free water. This is before you went to the gym. That's right. The treadmill was available. I got on it. I couldn't believe how easy it was for me. You know, it was like my lungs kept expanding and growing. It was the best workout I've ever had. It's almost like a big fate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're basically... Uh, leaping into the faith that it's going to happen. That's right. And how which interesting is, is really hard that it feels easy for us to do it with negative things and really hard with positive yeah, things. Yeah, which is kind of how the human body's wired. Right. Right? It's really easy for us to think the audition might not go well, this might not go wrong, I might not remember my line, the casting director might not like me, they might not choose me, I might not get it. It's really tricky for us to say, I'm going to walk in, they're going to think I'm great, I'm going to have like an ease at my work, right. I'm, I'm going to have this moment where I'm so free, this thing comes up that I wasn't even expecting. I always say it differently. I've, I've written about this a lot, and I read this from Michael Jordan. Uh, thinking negatively is very normal. Yes. Common. Yeah. Thinking um, positively and exceptionally, I mean, thinking positively and believing in yourself is actually exceptional thinking. That's right. And he's always say that you have to practice exceptional thinking and not practice common thinking. That's right. As he said, you know, most athletes and most humans are programmed to think negative because that's how we're wired to do. That's but if right. It's the exceptional athlete that thinks. I'm going to make the final shot or I'm going to hit the final, That's the, right. the final ball. You know? 
And I love thinking about it in terms of sports because there is that moment where it's like there's a few seconds left in the game and someone has to make the foul shot. And it's like, do you want the ball or do you not want the ball? And most of us will say, I better not have the ball in case I screw it up. But can you stand for the possibility that I want the ball? Because, yeah, I might miss, but I want the chance to try because that's who I am. And only through this kind of learned optimism will you have the confidence to be willing to take that chance on yourself. So, and then you do this every day? I, I tend to do this every day. Like every, one thing that I do when I work one-on-one with people is help them develop a personal practice that works for them. And different people have different tools that work best for them. Right. I like to do it um, for specific things that I'm trying to bring into my life um, or that is just exciting for me to think about. I do this from everything from... If I have a conversation that I'm not really looking forward to having, I do this with that to visualize that, you know, it just goes really well. We both feel seen and heard. Everything's great. Or I do this for auditions I know I have. Or I do this for, like, relationships I want to bring in my life. Like, you could do everything from your Oscar speech to um, bringing in the agent that you want in your life. You sit in a chair, mm-hmm. dark room, mm-hmm. or you're looking at a window for white. Like, how do, you, how do you specifically do it? There's two specific ways that I typically guide people through it. And, and again, different people like different techniques. For me, I like to sit and have it be part of my daily meditation, where I sit and I work to just be present. And I'm not someone who's trying to, like, limit my thoughts or clear my mind because I have so many thoughts and my mind is so active. For me, what feels comfortable is just to watch the thoughts come and go without attachment. And then just sort of like that idea of if a fan is going really, really fast and then you turn the fan off, Mm -hmm. it's like the fan will slow down. It still goes, but it slows down. And that's almost how I feel my mind is, is that slowly the fan will start to slow down. And and are you sitting with your feet flat? I tend to just sit on my couch, wrapped up in a blanket, you know, just I make sure it's the first thing I do. I make sure I don't check my phone first. I don't check my email first. First thing in the morning, First thing, I just get out. Tony Robbins talks about that a lot. Yeah, you just... first get thanks and visualize first thing in the morning. Exactly. Which is so hard now because, you know, uh, and I try to do that, but then I, if I'm working on something really, uh, like I was just in Houston touring the show and, and you, you start checking your phone. Yes. Because it's, it's, like, it's like dopamine, you know, you're getting that dopamine hit, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, I need that hit, you know, who's emailing me? So, but yeah. And I always think it's that thing of energetically, if the very first thing I do is make someone else's time more important than mine, yeah. then every time I walk into an audition, I am going to make whatever person is in that room more important than me and what I'm here to offer. And so I think it can be a, a little energetic thing that you can practice. But I like to get up. I like to make it the very first thing I do. I just sit quietly and, and just notice my thoughts, notice where I am, notice my breath, notice how I feel. And then... Ten minutes? I, I'm at a point where I'm doing 20, but let me tell you, when I started, it was three. Right. Three minutes. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't even have time for three minutes, but I'm going to carve out that time. It's a great quote by Russell Simmons. He says, if you don't have time for three minutes, you need to do three hours. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's That's exactly really, what it is. It's really good. And it's a practice, right? And what you do every single day is what makes a difference in your life. If I told you, you have right. a choice. That's really powerful. What you do every single day is what changes your life. Yeah. Um, if I told you, you have an option. You can brush your teeth for seven minutes once a week, or you can brush your teeth for one minute every day. Which do you think would give you the results you want of clean teeth? Probably one minute a day. One minute a day. 
Because on day five, you're going to be like, my teeth are terrible. My breath is bad. Because doing something, say, well, I don't have time to meditate during the week. I'll just do you know, a 40-minute meditation on Saturday. It's not going to get you the results you want. Three minutes a day, five minutes a day, whatever it is that you can devote. If you get in a practice of saying, I am worth my own time for three minutes a day, I guarantee you when you have three minutes in that audition room, the way you will show up yeah. in the space of three minutes will be so much more present and grounded. You do under conditions of stress what you practice. Exactly right. So and practice. I always say there's no perfection. Practice makes progress. Yeah. Practice makes progress. Practice makes progress. It's so true. Now what I love is that the philosophy of yoga says, that that soul, that inner spirit, that inner light, if you want to think that that is also connected to divine energy, universe, cosmic consciousness, nature, love, then if that works for you, then believe that. If you want to believe that it is just the mystery of the universe that you yeah. can't understand, then believe that. If you want to believe it's my soul and, and it's just connecting to that, then believe that. And that you can come to the philosophy from whatever it is that you personally believe in, but it's not what you believe in that matters. It's that you are a different person because you believe in something. But what they have found in studies is that people who believe in a higher purpose than themselves tend to be happier more successful and more content with life. And actors especially, so in the yoga philosophy it talks about we all have a dharma, and our dharma is our purpose. And how they describe what your dharma is, is when you are in harmony with the cosmos, which I love. So all of us, at some point in our life, had this little still voice inside of us that said, this makes you happy, do more of this, actor, artist. Uh, writer, director, whatever it is. We all had that urge, and we all followed the urge in some way. And that little urge, that little voice inside of us that gave us this dharma and purpose also has within it all of the tools we need to live and execute that purpose. The problem is, is that all of this information is inside of us, and we are looking for it outside of us. And so when we can for myself through tools like visualization, meditation, it allows us time every single day to, I like to think of it as download from your spirit or from your higher consciousness, download what is the next right action. So I don't have to spend my time going out in the world taking action after action after action after action and burning myself out and not even really making any progress and then complaining about the fact that I'm not making progress. Instead, I can just spend a little bit of time every day, get still, get quiet. What's the next right course of action for me? And you tune into that inner knowing and it might say, you know, walk down this street instead of this street. And then you walk down that street and you run into someone and, you know, yeah, really, magic it, starts it, to it unfold. It's back to that leap of faith thing. It's really trusting, uh, it's trusting life in a way. But yeah. you're not as in control as you think. And that's okay. And thank goodness. And thank goodness, right? Yeah. Exactly. As if I know the right way. Right. But you get programmed, and I think it's really important for younger actors to understand that because they get programmed thinking, I got to do X, I got to do Y, I got to do all these things to make sure I'm successful because this is what everybody's told me, this is what every book has told me, yeah. and then I got to go to this casting workshop. And what they don't realize is that, you know, you're basically just burning yourself out, you know, and that you can do it for a while, maybe even a couple of years, but eventually you're going to start fatiguing. Yes. And then you're, then you're grinding. Yes. And in the city, what I always like to tell people is that, 
if like it has teeth. Yes. Then you start feeling the teeth of the city. Yes. Which are always going against the grain. Yes. Um, Yoga says that um, in all, there's always like three things that are working on our state. You're either the fire, the rock, or the water. And it's, um, it's like you're, if anytime we're up in the fire and we're go, 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 and we're pushing and we're aggressive and, and we're like going after what we want, it will inevitably lead to the rock. It will lead us to lethargy and depression and it's not working and I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out. And we spend time in burnout and then it leads us right back up to the fire. And we end up on this hamster wheel where nothing's yeah. actually really happening. Yeah, you're, you're living, it's really chaos. Yes. And so when we try to find the water, it's like that energy of riding the wave where you're not in these highs and lows. You're just going on the journey. And the way, the way we like to teach on this is balancing your masculine and feminine energy. We want to think about the masculine energy as New York and the feminine energy is Hawaii, right? And it's like if you are spending all of your time in the hustle and bustle and the drive and the go and the do all the time, then you will lead yourself to burn out. On the other hand, if you're spending all your time in Hawaii, laying on the beach, drinking a cocktail, that passing director will find me if I just sit and meditate for long enough, then that's not going to work for you either. It is 100% about balancing both. And the problem with most actors is they are typically out of balance in one way or the other. When we teach in Los Angeles, we find we have to teach everyone's in Hawaii, and we have to give them more um, fire powerful tools. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. When we teach in New York, we have to really work with all the topics we've been teaching on recently are a lot about letting go and a lot about how to deal with rejection and how to how to take care of that inner self inside of you, that child inside of you that made you this artist anyway, that just wants to play and have fun. So really, it's about having both of these practices in place. And actually, there's this really cool class that Jen Rudolph and I started teaching together um, here at AGR called the yin-yang of the business. And so Jen talks about how to be a shark and how to be your own CEO. And I talk about how great it is to be a shark, but sharks die if they're not in water. So we have to find those internal tools to support you being out and being a shark in the world. Do you think that's the biggest reason why I just become better? And how do you think they, once you do become better, how you can overcome being better? Yeah, I think that, I think that what happens is because actors are so... You know, so, as you get older, you run into more of that. Yeah, of you course. Know, you've been in the business longer, and you start running into people who... And it's hard, because you have friends who are really good friends. Yeah. And um, uh, they become bitter, and it's hard to stay friends with people who yes. are bitter, because, you know, it's kind of like it's... Um, Managing that energy. Yeah, it's almost like a virus. Yes, yeah, and it's contagious. Yeah, it's contagious. You take it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that because so many of us are so busy in this masculine energy and we're do, 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 doing, what it does is we hide how insecure and unworthy and unconfident we feel in the doing. So it's like if I just do, if I just do, if I just do. The more we do, the more entitled we feel we are to have something happen. And so there's this really powerful mantra that I say to myself all the time. I am entitled to my actions, but I am not entitled to the fruits of those actions. Say it again. I'm entitled to take action, but I am not entitled to those actions leading to specific results because that's me being in control. What's important, what what the value is, is the action. That's right. Can you place the value in the action? Can you say, I took this action because I'm the kind of person who takes that action? That's a good way to put it because I like that because that's even, 
That's freeing in a way, right? Absolutely. Because it goes back to the same cliche you hear all the time. Don't worry about the results. That's right. right. It's not be- because yeah. the, the reason we get bitter is because we get to a certain point where it's like, I've done all the action. Where's the reward? Yeah. It's like going, again, like going to the gym. It's like, okay, I showed up for five days. Why haven't I lost a pound? If what you are attaching to is the result of having lost the pound, you may get it. You may not. You may be disappointed. You may have your expectation met. But either way, you're not going to be delighted and surprised and excited because either you're going to be disappointed or exactly what you expect to happen is going to happen and you're going to go, well, there, that's right. Yeah, so it's really not focusing on on the results. Right. Can you be the person... We taught last week on um, uh, rejection. And it's like, you know, can you be the person who reframes that for yourself? And, and one interesting thing that we were talking about is that rejection is something that actors made up and it's not actually really true. When you don't get an audition, you're not actually being rejected. What is happening is you are being refused, which is why the industry will put you on first right of refusal, not first right of rejection. Right. Right? I'm not saying there's something wrong with you. Yeah, that, they're not saying, I never want to see that again. That's right. They're saying, I want to see that not in this project. That's right. This not for role. me. Not this time. Right. Not right now. You know, it's it's not a, a it's not personal, and, and we tend to make it so personal. So if we can see it not as rejection, but as a refusal, and then every time I in my life have a refusal, then what I get to notice is, ooh, what feelings does that bring up for me, and how am I refusing giving myself those very feelings? So if I'm feeling not validated because of this refusal, then my real work is not to say, how can I force this casting director to like me the next time? My real work is to say, where am I refusing these very things in myself that I want to have that I'm missing? And how can I right here, right now, with or without an audition, start to validate myself, start to love myself, start to find joy in my process? Because those are all things I can control. Which tends to lead you more in a life of being calm, right? Yes. Because I think a lot of times actors, um, especially young actors, um, they're either excited, they're either you know, euphoric, they got a, a role, or they're depressed because they haven't got a role in a while. That's right. So they're either, you know, uh, they're living in complete, you know, fight or flight, right? They're exactly right. Adrenaline or nephrine, you know, they're That's just right. bouncing back and forth and life becomes just really, just really chaotic. So I would imagine also that's where your your meditation can actually help not only uh, focus you, but also calm you so you're more more like water. Yes, it's riding that little wave where you have those fluctuations, but they're not quite as extreme. Yeah. And that's really, uh, most actors really complain about a feeling of powerlessness, but that's your source of power right there. Your source of power is that you at any moment can say, what is it that I'm actually looking for outside of myself and how can I give it to myself now? If the energy and the essence of what I feel when I'm on set is I feel seen and heard, I feel worthy, I feel um, that people like me, then it's like, that's an amazing observation. So how in your life today right now can you cultivate those exact same things outside of a specific form, outside of it has to come from an acting job, it has to come from this relationship, it has to come from my partner. The problem is, is when we sort of say to the universe, yeah. it has to come from this place, then we end up 
limiting the sources that it can come to us from. Yeah, and and so things take longer. People are, people are either feeling inside or outside, right? You're on the inside when you're working, yeah, and then you're on the outside when you're not working, right? So, how can actors feel like they belong? Yeah, yeah. How can I mean? How can how can an actor find that belongness when they're not working? Right. Well, I think that the sense of belonging has to has to be that the idea that you don't belong is something that was handed down to you. It's a borrowed value system. Yes. That isn't yours. No. And it's so self, it's self-appointed. Yeah. It, it's like I, I know for myself, I had the idea for a very long time because my husband had a very successful career and I was always comparing myself to his career that I always felt like he's on the inside at the party and I'm on the outside and I kind of get invited to the party because of him, but I never feel like I'm, I'm, I'm always on the outside knocking, like, can I come to the party? Right. And it was really the moment that I sort of said, what if I was the party? And what if I stood for the fact that I could be the party that other people could be excited to come to? And that's where my personal practice became really important. How can I love myself every day? How can I decide, okay, this week I'm going to bring love and joy in my life. Great. And how can every single day, I, I can write it down, I can visualize it, I can think about it. How can I think about how I can bring these things to me already? And so as I get bigger, as I expand, as I grow, I become more seen, I become more heard, and I become someone that people say, hey, I want to hang out with that person. Right. And so yeah, then I can bring it to me. People don't really realize that no one wants to hang out on anybody. You, you don't choose to hang out on anybody who's negative. Right. It's like you, you want to push away from that person. Right, right. right? But you, you're naturally, our instincts are to be attracted to people who are positive and are uplifting because they make us feel better. And our subconscious wants to hang around that. And if we all think about the the actors and artists that we love, and we and we're like, I love their work. I love the energy they bring to their work. None of it is well. They just seem like you know they they they're really a Debbie Downer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, they seem like they have a confidence. They just have an right inner knowing. It's, it's it's almost like in scene work, right? You know, um, um, you never want to be a Debbie Downer in the scene. Right, the scene is it's dead. Right, right. You know, if you're if you're feeling sorry for yourself, the scene's not happening. <laughs> just in, just like in real life, yes. no one wants to be around anybody who's feeling sorry for themselves. Yeah, pity never works in real life, and it doesn't work in acting. That's right. And so uh, it's just fascinating how sometimes what what is the nuts and bolts of making a scene come alive? Yes, is really what is healthy for an actor, not acting. Right, and the thing is, is that we are storytellers, and if we are so caught up in our own story of fear and lack and not enough, then that's the only story we will ever tell. Do you think it's the same story? How do, I, do you think the pressure is more today, let's say, than it was 10 years ago? I think that it's um, more in our faces because, because of social media. So I think that being reminded there, is a, there is an illusion right. that there is something happening and it's like a dangling carrot that we can't quite get to. So we want to turn harder to get to it. But here's the thing. Most actors, our friends on Facebook, are all other actors. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really um, reflecting reality. If, if, 
every single human being in the entire world was on Facebook, then we would look at our acting career and go, wow, compared to everyone else in the whole world, you know, people who, <laughs> you know, are living in huts and people who are, you know, in, in Antarctica, and like, wow, compared to the actors in the world, I'm doing a great job. <laughs> it's that our, our specific circles are all other actors. So we tend to, to look at our lives in a, in a way of misperception, and it causes us suffering. Meditating, visualizing, focusing. Um, being in community. Be, being in community, focusing on, on the positive that things are going to happen for you. Yeah. And being your own party, I like that phrase. Yeah. Good. Being your own party. Um, that that's really the best thing you can do one, staying focused on the long game. Yeah. And also, that's actually something specific that you can do every day for three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, depending yes. on who you are, on how you can kind of, you know, kick yourself up. Yeah, activate yourself. Activate. And I like to say, would I want to be in a relationship with myself? Or, if I was my dream, would I want to be in a relationship with me? If my dream is this, it's like that spirit that just wants to act and play and have a great time and meet people and be on set and be on stage, and it's that energy, and I'm over here feeling sorry for myself, why would my dream want to spend any time with me? It doesn't. It doesn't. So if we can line ourselves up with the kind of partnership that really we really want and desire and crave, the kind of partnership we imagine having with an agent, the kind of partnership we imagine having with a, a leading person that we're working with, the kind of partnership we can have with our dream, we have to have that partnership with ourselves. It's, it's weird, right? Because you basically, what you're, what you're, I think what we're both saying is you kind of have to have a, a lot of faith. Yeah. You have to have a lot of faith and let go. Yeah. Letting go of the results that you're looking for yeah. and focusing more on the actions. And that in itself is very free and it sounds like it even feels free when you say it. You That's know? right. Because you're not so focused on the result. Yes. The way you will cultivate faith is by saying, I am going to put in my action and I am going to lay my head down at the end of every day and say, I did my best and it is more than enough. Right. And that is a space that you create for any possibility of a plethora of results to come your way, people, not just the one you've been yeah, attached to. People don't realize that it actually drops your adrenaline down. Yes. So it takes the stress hormone out. That's right. Which immediately makes you more positive. That's which right. Which immediately allows you to breathe better, yes. which then hence tends to help. Your percentage of performing better goes up higher because when your cortisol, when you're all stressed out about how you're going to perform... You're, you're completely in a fight-or-flight mode. Yes. And your body's doing everything to constrict itself because that's basically what it was designed to do in case a bear attacked you. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're in this present moment, there is no bear attacking me. Right. What I love to do is create stories about trying to avoid future suffering or trying to recreate a past pleasure. And it always keeps me outside of the present moment. If I had this great audition and now I'm in a new audition, rather than just being in the present moment and seeing what this audition wants to be, I'm trying to recreate that great audition in the past. Or I am trying to avoid the suffering of how bad this audition could go. Right. And either way, I'm not showing up in the room. And the casting director won't necessarily know what's going on, but they'll know that you didn't show, fully show up. They're yeah, like, they oh, know. they were distracted, or their, their energy was off, or there was something going on. You just see it, though, you know. I mean, you, you just feel it. You know, when I'm in an audition, when you can see that that guy is, or that girl is stressed out. Right. You know, you can feel the energy. Right. Uh, and sometimes you do book even that way, right? Yeah. So then what happens is it creates a false, 
a false positive where you think, right. okay, this is the way to do it. Right. Right. But really, you just kind of struck gold, and that's not the way you're going to, on a longevity form of way, you're not going to do it again. Right. And I love to say that the universe or nature or love, whatever it is that you use or any, anyone would use as the higher authority, the universe loves to pay you for being who you are. When you show up as fully authentically who you are and you take a stand for it, the universe will love to give you money for that, to give you opportunities to be that, to give you opportunities to show up as more of that. When we are so busy trying to be what we think we should be or trying to be what someone else is that seems like it's working, then you know what's ours is not going to be able to find us because the best we're going to be is second best at being someone else. Like a date. Totally like a date. It's totally like that. Yeah. You're halfway through the date. You're like, where's the check? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, how, uh, how do you think, I guess, and if, well, I was going to say, how do you think actors should build their self-esteem? But that's, this is really the way that you would feel that they would build their self-esteem, right? What I actually fundamentally believe is that our self-esteem is already built we have just covered it with a lot of other people's crap. opinions and yeah. crap and um, scars and experiences we've gone through and disappointments and loss and grief. But I actually think that our self-esteem is intact. I know like I know that we all came into this world and we're, you know, we're little two-year-olds being like, I want this. And our parents is like, no, you can't have that. It's like, too bad. I want it. Like, we knew what we wanted. We knew who we were. And we knew that we were worth just it. Just over time, it, gets, it just, just gets pressed down. It's like my favorite thing to think about is when I was learning how to walk. Not that I remember. But I imagine that thing of I'm, I'm standing up and then I fall on my ass. And I try again and I fall down. And I try again and I fall down. And I fall down and it hurts and I'm crying. And imagine if that was happening when I was an adult. If I tried and tried and tried 30 times and failed at something, probably what my mind, my ego would say is, well, obviously you're not meant to do that. Right. Obviously you didn't get the last 30 auditions. Obviously you're not meant to be an actor. And then we would have all these adults crawling around Manhattan because they're like, well, I guess I'm not meant to walk. Right? It's not how it goes. It's like, if you're not failing, then your life isn't big enough. So some people don't know how to walk in New York. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Tourists. Uh, uh, do you walk around like on a, on a continual basis talking positive to yourself when you're walking the streets? Like, today was a great day. Uh, Natalie, you know, are you constantly reinforcing your positive voices? Or do you allow yourself every once in a while to let the negative voice come in? I, my, here's my favorite way to, to think about it. My favorite way to think about it is I is that the truth doesn't change its mind. And so every time I hear that voice in my head, maybe you should do this, or maybe you should have done this instead, or maybe this is this, and maybe da-da-da, then I know it's just my ego, and I know it's not the true me, because I know the true me is that silent, still voice that's like, good job. So anytime I hear that rumination in my head, I don't try to change it. I don't try to move it out. I don't try to make space. I don't try to get rid of it. I just look at it and go, sweet baby, look at you trying to confuse me. How cute are you? And I get on with my life. So you acknowledge it. I acknowledge it, and I just let it be what it wants to be, and I don't play the game. Right. It, it's not going to win if I don't engage. Right. It's when you engage, it becomes, because the moment you start engaging it, it gets louder. That's right. right. That's right. It's a baby having a temper tantrum. Right. You know, if yeah. you just say, okay, cry it out. I'm over here living my life. And some days are going to be great days, and some days are going to be bad days. Some days I believe in myself, some days I don't. And it's not my job to even really have an opinion about that. I just show up and try to love myself and be compassionate. Have, have you, I'm sure you've, you've, you've had a bad audition. 
as we all do. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> More uh, than good, probably. Yeah. Yeah, of course not. Can you describe some specific steps that you did right after your bad audition? Yes. So here's um, something that I think is very important. In the same way I was talking about we're really, really good at what we don't want. We're really good at planning for potential disasters. We're also really, really good at identifying what did not go well and what our flaws are. And so I make it a very important practice for me that I am not allowed to think about the things that I did not do well at that audition until I get clear and validate at least three things that I did do well. And I actually set an intention before every audition for one thing that I'm going to focus on, whether it's I am just going to show up and listen, or I'm going to show up and be very present with my reader, or I'm going to show up and really, truly not try to control where this is going. I always give myself one thing to focus on, because when I start thinking moment before an objective and this and that, then it's just mud. It's just a big mess. I share that all the time, too, just focusing on the one task task. that you want to achieve in that audition. That's right. And you can change it for every audition, or you can pick one for a few months and stick with it. So the first thing I try to step into when I walk out of the room is, Natalie, congratulations, you just had an audition in New York City. Good for you. First. And it's crazy because a lot of people don't even reward themselves on that. That's right. When you talk to friends who are not in the business, all they say is, I wish I could do what you're doing. Yes. You know? And yes. You, and, and we, we dismiss this so quickly because we're like, I'm not really doing anything. Yes. But we don't really give ourselves credit that we're pursuing our dreams and so many people would die to pursue their dreams. I try to have that same moment when the person comes out and calls my name. Your name just got called. That's badass. You know, so right before I go on the audition, it's like, that's my name. And I get to walk in that door. And then as soon as I leave, it's like, I was the person who got to walk out of that door just now. Number one. Number two, what are three things that really went well? I actually noticed the color of the shirt my reader was wearing. That's great because that shows I wasn't in my head. I was really in the space. That's good. Check. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Or or like, um, I really... um, felt like the energy of the room was really positive while I was there and I contributed to that. Check. You know, whatever it is. Um, I said all my lines without forgetting any of them. Right. Check. <laughs> you know, and then after I've given myself some of those things that great. So then the next thing is now what am I working on? Not what did I do wrong, not not what you know um, I messed up. What now is the next thing I'm going to work on for the next time? Yeah. Because you're always auditioning for your next audition. Always. Yeah. yeah. It's Tim Phillips, the director, my, one of my mentors. He so we say, you don't audition for the job. You audition for your career. Right. And, I love that. Yeah. I and, love that. And he would just say, you know, because just as the things that we know, the reason why you didn't get a job is from A to Z. Yes. Right. And they're not rejecting you. They're refusing you from this one project. But they're going to call you back. Yes. The next project you may be the right for, and they need to develop a list of people that can continually call back. That's right. So you want to get on that list. That's, that's your. Right. That's the goal to get on that list. And how great would it be if all the actors in the city started walking into rooms and just being like, "I'm just so happy to be here. I don't care what happens." Yeah. Like my favorite way to think about an audition is that I am preparing this character because this is the first and last time I'm ever playing it. There's no callback. I'm not booking it. It's like, this is the first and last time I'm ever going to get to do this. I'm going to go in and do everything I want to do with it. 
look, look who you get to be today. Look who I get to be. And then, you know, if they give me a redirect, it's like, oh my gosh, now I get to do it again for the right. last time ever. And, and so that way you're really doing the work to, to please yourself and to further your own artistry as opposed to trying to make someone else like you. What advice would you give for younger actors on, on, on realistic expectations coming into the business? I think that the, the advice that... Because I always find younger actors who talk to me and friends who want mommy to talk to their kids or their, their younger brothers and sisters, like they have some crazy expectations, yeah. right? But then at the same time, you don't want to tell someone no, yeah. right? You don't want to be that guy that says, you know, it's not going to happen for you. Say so might. Yeah. It, you know, it, it may happen for you the first year you're here, yes. you know? So, you, so, but I always find that kind of tough to the navigating waters, you know, how to set hard, realistic expectations for it. I feel like I would give the exact same advice to a younger actor as an 80-year-old actor, which is, if you are not having fun now, you will not have fun when. Right. It's like, your job is, is to show up and create art. And creating art in the world is healing and exciting, and it offers something to the world that the world gets nowhere else. That's right. And if you are not enjoying it now, then you will not enjoy it no matter what job you get or where your career goes. And if you are so busy being attached to the future looking a certain way, then I guarantee you, you are not enjoying the now. Thanks for this time. I just, yeah. About just to wrap it up. What excites you about acting? Oh. I get excited about the spontaneity that comes out of good acting. I get excited about the collaboration that, that comes from acting. And I get really, really excited about the ability to collaborate and tell stories for people that may not be able to tell those stories. Yeah. You know, the collaboration is a great word. So if you can, if we, I think if we all can focus on collaborating, like even an audition process, yes. it's an opportunity to collaborate with the casting director yes. and the director if they're in the room. Right. And if you focus on just collaborating, it probably becomes also freeing. That's right. Instead of focusing on what's my result going to be. Right. Right. Uh, that seems to be like the through line. Yeah, here. that's definitely the through line. Yeah. Can you celebrate your actions for the sake of themselves? Yeah. 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 And that, that there actually is no such thing as rejection. You are always being redirected to redirected. something else. That what is meant for you is not going to go past you. And, and rejection, which I say in quotations, is um, just you being redirected towards the right job. Everything, every time it's a no, it's like, good. Now I know what the no's are so I can get closer to what the yes is. How do you think actors should stay focused and they haven't worked in a while? I think that there's a really awesome... And stay upbeat, and stay... Not, and, and being able to let go of the negative feelings that are just starting to grow like a harvest now. Right? I think we always think the grass is greener. I think the actors that are working all the time are longing for, like, I've been doing this series for so long, and I'm not feeling creative anymore, and I just wish I was doing my own thing, and I wish I had time and space to, to write and come up with my own material. I think people that are off making their own material are like, I just wish I was doing something commercially viable, so I had the money coming in. That I, Like, I think that we always think that where we are is not the best place to be. Right. And for me during my biggest period of famine in the, in, in the industry was when I learned everything that I'm talking about now, which has made my acting so much stronger and so much more joyous. And if I didn't have these tools, then yeah. where would I be? Yeah, they're really important tools, aren't they? Yeah, so thank goodness for all the, the times of famine in my 
in my acting because I was able to develop my humanity. And if we're so busy saying, I only want to be an actor and I'm only happy when I'm acting, then there's a whole space of showing up as a human being that is missing and will be missing from our work as well. So, like, what would you tell a young, what would you tell an actor? Like, what would you tell him to kind of pick himself up? I would say, write me a list of the, your five favorite things to do that have nothing to do with acting and tell me how often you're doing those things. Right. So focusing on things that you want to do. Yeah, like what makes you happy? What makes you blissful? You know, because the problem is, is actors think, I want to spend all my time being an actor. You are telling stories about human beings who are not actors, <laughs> so you need to learn about all kinds of other things. You know, you, traveling is great, and going out with friends is great, and... You know, so really being in the world, being in the moment, right? Being in the moment. It's a big thing, also. You're right. Is yeah. That also helps to find to enjoy being the acorn, to yeah. being in the moment, letting the process be what it is, and that your time will come. Yes. Staying in the middle of Hawaii and New York, yes. right? And um, meditating and visualizing, and just keeping that faith. Yes, and it's like if I said to you, I'm summarizing. Yes, I know there's so much. If I said to you, Doug. Nine months from today, you're going to be a recurring on a TV show. Then you would spend the next nine months, if you had zero auditions and you were sitting on your couch doing nothing, you would be so happy. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to be a recurring in nine months. I don't care what happens. So it is only because we don't trust that it is actually possible that we get fear in the moment. But there's nothing to be afraid of in the moment. In the moment, if I am showing up, if I'm doing my best, if I'm being present, if I'm taking care of my inner world, if I'm taking action in my outer world, and not focusing on nine months from now, if I'm just focusing on here and now and what makes me feel good, and the visualizing is thinking about a positive future, not so that it happens, but so the right now feels more exciting. Because you can't motivate to a negative goal. If you think your future is bleak, your present's not going to be any fun. If you think there is a strong possibility that my future is awesome, then the present attitude can awaken and you can just have a great time. It's, it's almost like by believing in it, it becomes a square, right? By believing in it now and, and trusting and being positive, your actions become different. That's exactly because right. Because your actions become different. Naturally, you have different results. Right. So it refeeds into the belief that you have. That it grows your faith. It grows your faith. Grows and your keeps, faith. and it just keeps going around. So the square gets bigger. That's right. And bigger and, and bigger, bigger, and bigger, bigger. And bigger and bigger. And then you get to just enjoy. Right. You get and to really just enjoy. The thing to do, because I think it's, I just want, it's really important for our readers and people who are listening to this to understand that principle. Because I think young, I think all actors, um, we forget that. Even me personally, you know that. Me too. Is having the faith. That's right. So you keep believing it. That's right. So it changes your actions, changes the voice in your head, creates natural, organic results, which refeeds back into it. But it all starts with you having that leap of faith. Without that leap of faith, you don't get to go up that ladder. That's right. And the leap of faith is born out of you having faith and belief in yourself. Right. Because if you don't love yourself, you cannot expect the universe to love you for you. Right. And that's where the visualization and meditation feeds into helping you get there faster. Exactly right. Uh, books that have dramatically influenced you? Oh, the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer is my favorite book I've ever read. I've read it so many times. Okay. I, I should get um, royalties on this book because I've recommended it to so many people. Give me, give me 
untethered soul. The right? untethered soul. The untethered soul. Give me another one because I think Jen mentioned that. Yes. Oh, she did. Okay. Um, let me see. Let me see. Um, it could be a novel. It just could be or whatever. It could be any book. Oh, there's so many that I'm loving right now. Something in the top ten. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. Okay. It's really, really cool. It's really just about like letting your drama come with you on the road, but not letting them drive the car, which I love. That's great. Um, I wrote a book called 30, 30. by Natalie Roy yeah. that I highly recommend. It talks about the trials and tribulations of me learning these tools. It seems like it's very intimate. Very intimate. Yeah, I, I really enjoy um, Malcolm Gladwell's books. Um, you know, he talks about... Um, um, it takes 10,000 hours to become a master, yeah. you know, like that kind of thought. Yeah. Um, Michael Singer also writes another book called The Surrender Experiment, which is really profound. Um, um, and he really talks about how through the act of letting go, he became a multimillionaire. <laughs> well, <what laughs> really I'm powerful. Like, I'm like here, and I'm a, I'm a voracious reader. Mm. Um, uh, but a book that I, that I read that really was quite powerful for me, and I read that a couple of years ago, um, was a new psychology of success. Yes. Have you read that? Yeah, no, but I've read Happier, which yeah. is also a positive psychology book that is very in that vein. Yeah, and it just, just talks about um, the, it, again, it's not result-oriented, to take value in the action, and that's really how you develop uh, skill. Yeah. And and, they, and she goes through different examples on how people develop their skill and yeah. who enjoy practicing, yeah. who enjoy, yeah. uh, and then how that... Uh, repetition becomes the mother of skill and the more you enjoy the repetition the more skill you have it goes back into that same principle enjoying the process yeah and it's, and it's really powerful because it just gives you what's really great about that book is that it gives you specific examples not only from uh, athletes but Mozart and, and musicians and singers and actors and, and how they all went through their repetition and yeah. how they all enjoy their process which yeah. we tend to forget that all those great artists or athletes enjoy some sort of the process. Yeah, exactly right. And um, the other author I love is Seth Gooden, G-O-D-I-N. Yeah, I know. And he, uh, what's the book, It's Your Turn or What to Do When It's Your Turn yeah. and It's Always Your Turn. Yeah. I love that book too. It's yeah, really, like really great. Yeah, he's, he's powerful. Yeah, he's very powerful. Yeah. Uh, is there a book that you think all actors should read? I think The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements? The Four Agreements. Um, Miguel uh, Ruiz he, it's from the Toltec tradition, and it, it's it's talking about um, sort of like if you do these four things, you will be much happier, and and it's like a really powerful, just like simple philosophy of like, am I being impeccable with my word? Am I, you know, am I am I, am I showing up in these four ways every day? Right. And it's like a really simple way to actually think: can I can I show up in my art and my life both in that way? Um, advice that you would give your twenty year old self. And, ten, and invite you to give yourself 10 years from now? Um, my 20-year-old self, I would say relax and enjoy. Okay. And 10 years from now, I would say good job. Good job. Uh, if you could put one thing on the billboard anywhere for actors to see and read, what would it be? You are enough. <laughs> you are enough. <laughs> you are enough. And lastly, um, movie or documentary all actors should watch. Ooh. I love I Am by Adam Shadiak. He's yeah. the guy who directed um, a lot of the Jim Carrey movies. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful documentary about connection okay. and just the importance of connection and that through connection 
and through genuinely showing up as artists in that way, it's not only about getting the life we want, but also actually changing the chemistry of the planet. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Natalie. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank it was really you. Really great interview. Thank you. So fun. It was fun.